What's your favorite Bible miracle? If you um, could pick, transported through time to one moment, what would you love to see? Where you could say, I was there. I was there when the Red Sea was divided. I was there when Lazarus came out in his grave clothes. Or whatever you'd pick. The ark. What would you love to see? It'd be great to see a miracle, wouldn't it? To, whatever it is, whether it's a Bible miracle, just today to, to see a miracle and say, wow, you know, the hair on the back of your neck just sort of rises up and like, oh my gosh, what just happened? But you see, for that to happen, there is a question. Is God still working today? I think there's a lot of people today that would look back at the Bible and read those miracles and say, well, clearly God worked. But maybe the greater question for us is, is he still working? Is he still willing to work miracles today? Because that's what would have a huge impact on our lives. Well, I would say to you, I think God is still alive and still working today. As I told you earlier for this whole um, thing we're talking about today, part of what we want to do on Thanksgiving is celebrate what God has done, how he has moved in Andover Christian Church. And you saw some of the pictures in the video. I'm sure for some of you those were new pictures to see where this church started in downtown Anoka and, and the other buildings that it has been a part of. But the reality is, Andover Christian Church, we have a lot to be thankful for today in how God has moved in our church. He's given us a lot of good things. We sit in a beautiful building today. And there's so many good people here. And people who have gone before us, who have done things and made sacrifices and worked hard for what we have. There's a lot of ministries here today that bless us because of the people who are doing those ministries. We get to go have a beautiful dinner because there were three families here working all evening, Saturday night. So we could have that. And we could go on and on in what we get to enjoy and how we are blessed because of others who serve us, lead our ministries, prepare things, clean things, fix things, and all of that. God has already done a lot for us as a church, and we get to enjoy all of that today, and it's a good day to take stock of all of that. But the question is, is he done? Is God done working? In other words, are we now at a point where we just to get to sit and enjoy all that he's provided? We get to just have the benefit of all of this work and all that God has brought about. Well, you wouldn't be surprised that the answer is no, we don't get to just sit. Not because God doesn't want us to enjoy what he has done and what he has given us, he does. It's just that God isn't done. And I don't mean just with us, God isn't done working in this world. And that's why we can't be done. God isn't finished. I want to put up 2 Peter 3, 9 for you, but it's actually from the message. So I put it on the screen. Um, 
read along, I love the way this paraphrase puts this verse. And the, the whole question is, why hasn't God come back? When he sees the mess this world is in, why doesn't he just send Jesus and end it? How in the world can God wait any longer? And here's the answer. God isn't late with his promise that he's going to return. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. I love the way the message puts that verse. Because that's God's heart. And that's why God isn't done. Because there's still children of His that are far from Him. Children of His that don't even know Him. That deny His existence. And He loves them. And He cares about them. And He doesn't want them lost. God is not done. And if He's not done, then we're not done. And that's what we've tried to be taking stock of as the leadership at this church for over a year. Of asking ourselves, what has God done? What is he doing? What does he want to do? And I think the best illustration I can think of, an analogy, would be an eye exam. I've got an eye chart here for you. You know, we go to the doctor. And, and the first thing you do in an eye, eye exam is you, 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 you take the test. And find out where we're at. Can you see? Right before I had my cataract surgery, I sat there and said, I can't read the top letter. And the doctor said, oh, we have a problem. And he, we did. So you, you take the test. You find out how, how, how well can you see. And then what do you do? Well, you get some corrective measures. Usually it's glasses or contacts. And then you go back. And, and in a sense, you check up every year. Can you see now? Is it better now? Is it better now? Number one or number two? And we go through that and we, of course, every year you have to get different glasses or different contacts. So you can keep seeing. Well, we took that analogy to a church, our church, this church. We called it Vision Tune. And it, it was, in a sense, applying that to the church. To say, okay, how, how are we doing as a church? Where are we strong? Where are we weak? What has God done here? What has he given to us? And then to say, well, what does he want us to be? What does God want a picture on his wall? If he has a picture on his wall in his throne room that says Andover Christian Church, what does God want that to look like? What does he want us to look like? And then, okay, how do we move from here to there? What, what lenses do we need to get? What glasses do we need to get so we look like that? And that's what we've been trying to do for over a year. Because it's what we need to do to be the leaders and the church that God wants us to be. We think we're getting a clearer picture of that picture that's on God's wall. And I want to talk about that for a little bit today because I get excited when I see that picture. And if I can adequately communicate it to you, I think you'll get excited too. The thing that 
I want to say to you, because a lot of times you hear these kind of things, you say, oh, what's going to change? Well, God doesn't call us to go a different direction or anything like that. In fact, he's confirmed so much of what this church has been about. And the message we've gotten as leaders isn't change something huge or anything. It's now go further. Take it to the next level. This foundation that you're standing on, the shoulders of the people you're standing on, they've done a good job. It's now your turn to move further. We had a mission statement as a church um, that um, to, to live as the family of God in order to model Jesus to our community and our world. That's a long statement. As the leaders looked at that, and, and a whole bunch of people looked at that, they came back and said, well, that's accurate. We think that's what God wants us to do and be, but it's really long. Can we sort of shorten it? And so the church came together. We did sort of a little contest thing. And, and I want to give credit to whose credit due. Leonard Groen, one of our resident poets, came up with uh, this shortened phrase. Okay? Jesus, community, world. Live it. And I like that because it captures that sense of what God wants this church to be. To be about Jesus, to be about community, to be about the world, but to take all that seriously and live it out. And that's what we see the picture, we believe, the picture God has on his wall of this church and what he wants ACC to look like. Now, what's that mean? I want to just go through each of those real quickly. The first thing is Jesus. He wants us to be about Jesus. And we're going to come back to that. And you heard Dave talk about that in the video, that we would be about Jesus. But I want to start from a different angle. You see, I think we have to begin with Jesus. And by that, I mean he needs to be our leader. This needs to be beyond a doubt in everybody's mind. This is the church of Jesus Christ, not Jim Connor's church, not the elders' church, not my church. It is Jesus' church. He's leading it, and we depend on him for our power and what we do. We look to him for how we get this done. We look to him for our resources, for our leading, for our power. Jesus needs to be the foundation of this church. Jesus really gives us an amazing promise in John 14, 12. I think it's on the screen. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, that would be awesome enough. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And what Jesus is saying is, when I leave here, leave the world, I'm going back to heaven, and I will be your advocate at the right hand of God, urging him to help you do even more than I've done. I think every one of us would say, if we could just do what Jesus did, we'd be very happy. He offers us more than that. He says, I I want you to do more than I've done. But you see, it's when we do it in Jesus, when we're trying to be the church in Jesus with his leadership, his power. That's why prayer is so important. 
Prayer is how we make sure we are following Jesus, how we are depending on Jesus, how we are using his power. It's prayer. If you want any kind of barometer or thermometer or measurement, how much are we walking in God's will and power, look at prayer. There is a direct correlation. And as we pray and seek Jesus to lead us, help us, then we can be the church he wants us to be. The second word in that is community. And we're actually going to have this slide up there twice because it has a double meaning, and which is part of what I like about the phrase. Because what if part of what God wants us to be is to be a church that is a community, a fellowship, a close-knit group of believers who are brought into one group. Because we all share Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we live in this community and we come together to be that fellowship. Where we value each other. We are committed to each other. We are connected to one another. We find acceptance and people take us in and value us as we are with our struggles, with our scars. And we're still wanted And we make mistakes and we're still wanted. In fact, as we come together in this community, we find encouragement. We find cheerleaders saying, you can do it. We find help. I'll be with you. I'll help you. Can I pray for you? Can I come over? Let's get together. And in that whole process of being a community, we experience God's power as never before in our own lives. Turn over to Ephesians 1. I want to read 18 in the beginning of 19. I pray that the eye... This is Paul praying for the church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may be opened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, catch this, in his holy people. Where do we experience that glorious inheritance? In this church fellowship, in his holy people. And we experience his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's the community that God wants us to be. A community where together God comes here and works. Together we experience new life. This fellowship of people. Together we find people who care for us. People who help us. We learn from people as we turn and help other people. And together we are different. I understand a lot of times we look at Christians and say, well, they're no better off than their neighbors who don't go to church. What's the deal? Well, the deal is that we haven't lived up to what God wants us to experience because we are intended to be different. And it can happen. It does happen. And we need to raise the bar and say, this will be that kind of fellowship, that kind of community where people come here and they are changed. They're changed in their own view of themselves. They're changed in their walk with Jesus. 
They're changed in their homes and their relationships, their marriage, their parenting, their family. They're changed at work because they're getting together in this fellowship and there's something that happens there and they leave different. That's what God wants to happen here. And, and we're partway there. But we can go further. I was blown away this last couple of weeks. The guys group I'm in is reading this book, Killing Christians. It's not for the faint of heart because it's true stories of Christians who are being martyred today, have been martyred recently. A lot of them in Islamic countries where ISIS is working. But I was reading one story in there and I, I could only handle a guy a week. It was too emotional. But one of the stories in this village, probably a village the size of St. Francis, uh, the, the Muslim militants took out seven young men who were Christians and they, be, they lined them up at the edge of the village and they beheaded all of them. There were ten believers left in the village. And they met at 2 a.m. in the morning, because that was the only time they could meet, in a basement of a home. And they said, we don't know what to do. All we can do is pray. And if any of you feel led to leave the village to survive, take your families and leave, do so. We're going to meet next week. Whoever's left. And in one week they met. And there were 25 in the basement. Why would you do that? Because you have found something in Jesus Christ, something in that basement fellowship that is so good, so life-changing, so powerful, that you will risk that. And you will come and you will be one of the 25, knowing that in the following week you may be one of the seven. But it doesn't matter. Because God wins in the end. And if I'm standing with God, I can't lose. And if I'm standing with the other Christians, I am a better changed person. And my family has changed and my work has changed and my marriage has changed and my self-esteem has changed. Everything changes. And so I want to do that. And the God who does that in Iraq and Syria would love to do that in Andover and Anoka County. And that we would be that community. Well, then community comes up again. Because the double meaning is, of course, Jesus needs us to go out those doors and impact our community. To be salt and light. To be Jesus with skin on for the people living in Anoka County. That Ephesians 3 that we read, we summarized it on the front of that insert. Showing God's love and wisdom in all we do so everyone can know him. That's what we're about. That's what Jesus calls us to be, a church that impacts our area that makes a difference, showing God's love and wisdom to those that we rub shoulders with, we live beside, we work beside, we're on a ball team with, we scrapbook with, whatever it is we do, 
that we're taking Jesus with us so they can be touched by his love as we sometimes just feed them, clothe them, collect gloves for them, give them turkeys, whatever it is we can do, meeting the needs that we find around us. The poor, the homeless, the broken, the unloved, but also our neighbors, our co-workers. It's not just the poor we need to be Jesus to. It's the successful people beside us who still don't know him. Well, there's one last word in that, and that is world. Because God has a big vision, and he wants to use this church as he already has been. He wants to use it more to impact his world. Because everybody on that map, Jesus died for. And everybody on that map, God wants them to come home and know him. He is their father. He needs us to help him. That's why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God has not given up on that mission. And he asks us to continue to help him and to do more. To work with the missionaries that we have. To send out mission teams to help. We are working on a team to Haiti next summer. Do you realize with the economics of our world, in our current mission budget, in third world countries, we could plant a church every year and not even increase our missions budget. We have that a power in the money that we have as Americans. We can make a difference around the world for him. And he would ask us to do that. And that brings us to the circle. It begins with Jesus. Oh, those are arrows. You'd never know that. It begins with Jesus to community in here, to community out there, to the world. And what is our message in all of that? Jesus. Because it is Jesus who saves. It is Jesus who died. He is our message. We can only do it with him. Do you like God's picture? What he would like ACC to look like, his picture on his wall, it gets exciting to me. To be a part of a church like that and to be a part of a church that God is using to change Anoka County and to change our world. That's what he would like us to move towards. He has moved and now the challenge is will we move further in the ch- becoming the church he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful today for all you have done, that you came to earth and that you died for our sins and you came as Jesus to be our Savior, a Redeemer. But all you've also done to bless Andover Christian Church. 
and what we enjoy today as we sit here and worship and go eat in the fellowship hall and, and all of that because of what you've done and faithful Christians you've used. But God, help us be faithful now. You're not done here. You're not done in Anoka County. You're not done in this world. And you need us to move with you forward. Those exciting things that you have for us, that you want for us. May you find us willing, even eager to move with you. In your son's name, amen.